Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand, please, and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and to destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance and error, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands. And we pray, continue to lead it with a powerful and mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen may be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 22-24 The right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on or clothe ourselves into a new way of life. And this is a decreeing commandment. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of, of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice these are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements, because a command always requires, fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we then can obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Our seed uh, the, f the word is given in the format of, of a seed and we need to obtain it as a fruit of righteousness. Why is salvation given in the form of a seed? So we can sow it in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would be able to say this on the stadiums, I don't think thousands of people would come out to repent. But let us remember the 80s and 90s when people tempted the other, others with with success and other things and people would come to the church and then would start leaving because promises were given that weren't good and so again the seed needs to be sown in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for what reason? So that in this death we could put off our former way of life, the old man who 
grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts and then receives salvation in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Why? So that in the format of this fruit of righteousness, you can clothe yourself into the resurrection of Christ, clothe your mortal soul, as we've heard from our Father, to clothe our mortal body, clothe it into the resurrection of Christ. And relevant to this, we studied we stopped to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisting of the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names and battle against the enemies of David. We can't fight against our enemies if we cannot utilize God in the process and to use God or to have him involved, you need to first love him and then call upon him in his names, in his names. And when we begin to magnify God in his names, and when we know what is contained in his names, the consistency of these names, God then will give us the ability and he will use this power against our enemies. We have the same enemies, mutual enemy, us and God. We have the same enemies, our old man, death, hell, and the devil, the angels who did not keep their virtue and left their calling in heaven and their home, and also the children of the devil who the scriptures call wicked and lawless. Children of the devil, they are wicked and unclean. These are people who want to take the position that God did not give him. He doesn't like the place where he is. And the scriptures say, the angels, the third part of heaven, left their home, left their calling, left their place. Because they were deceived and they wanted to be deceived. This means that all of them in their head had the thought, why am I here when there's someone above me? And when the cherubim brought the idea a third part of the angels with a, a very simply very uh, easily accepted this thought because they already had it it wasn't just the cherubim who had it but also a third part of the angels they had this kind of thought already uh, my, uh, Michael and Gabriel the thoughts would come, but it, when the thoughts would come, they would start to magnify God instead. Immediately, they would begin to magnify God. The devil, the previous cherubim, also questioned, why am I here? Because I can have something greater. And he so easily offered the same thing to the man in the Garden of Eden, and the man in the Garden of Eden was tempted and took the bait and so he was offered the ability to be as God without casting off the old man you will be as gods he said and we see with what ease they they took this idea just as the third part of, of the heavens did that the angels they, they were offered the idea of you can be as God just as Adam and Eve also did Psalm 18 1 through 3 
I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And so the eight names of God, let us together proclaim them. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. We thank God that he has made us worthy of these names. And when we remember the truth that is given to us by our pastor upon the table of showbreads in our spirit, we continue to remember this truth and we convert them into prayers so that all of these power, these, the abilities in these names would become ours. Therefore, considering that in a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ in the form of the virtue of four names of God, studying strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer. And therefore, we will immediately go to the study of our inherited lot in Jesus Christ, studying the name of God, rock in whom I trust, rock of Israel. In Hebrew, the identification of the name of God, rock, contains such definitions. The rock of Israel, when we see this in scripture, it's talking about a sharp end, sharp end or edge of a cliff, a stone, a stone defense, covering the shadow of a cliff, rock is victorious, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, Symbol- symbolically a strength, eternal governance, the promise of imperishable food, and the comfort of peace. A very rich list of definitions contained in the word rock. And of course, when we look at all of these, we will understand them better. In the given prayer psalm of David, we see that the name of God, rock of Israel, contains the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom we together, by collaborating with the power contained in the name of God, rock of Israel, are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our salvation which consists of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. And so what is this rock of Israel? It's called to allow us to keep and increase our salvation, which consists of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. And by collaborating with the name of God, uh, rock of Israel, that means he already is collaborating with God in the names of strength and rock and fortress and deliver. And so when he wants to deliver us, he wants to deliver us uh, because of the fruit of righteousness that we have produced in our heart. And to deliver us, we need to know the boundaries within w- boundaries that the Lord wants to save. And to be able to see them, you have to look, uh, climb the rock and look from above and see in the from a see f- far off and see all the area that the Lord wants to deliver. So we not judge only what we can see right in front of us. The Lord says, become this great rock that you can rise up on. And he says, you're in the likeness of the eagle. And you can then see all the boundaries of our essence that the Lord will deliver because of the grown in us fruit. This is a very important name in this case. 
and a person who works with the name of God, Rock of Israel, means that God first works with the, with the name of God. A person works with the name of God's strength. Lord, I have magnified your word. And because I have magnified your word, I can collaborate with the name of God, Rock, in the form of uh, judging myself, weigh, weighing myself on the scales and according to the weights. And third, then you are my fortress. Now, because I judge myself, I can approach you because I have cleansed myself from the filth of the flesh and spirit. And I am now that soil, that good soil that can receive the seed of the word of God. You can uh, put the grain of wheat there and it will grow. And the Lord grows this fruit. And we then open up the name of God, deliverer. And as soon as we uh, begin to bring in the name of God deliver the Lord then immediately shows us this rock in the form of a cliff that we can now climb up and see all of the boundaries all of the area that the Lord wants to deliver from our enemies and so when the Lord begins to hewn us from the rock and uh, take us out from pull us out from the whole and so again give us the characteristics that God has in the form of and so he carves us uh, from the rock meaning he doesn't remove us he literally carves us out of this rock um, saying Lord you are my rock as the rock of Israel you look at the rock from which you were hewn and so again for the Lord to be to be able to see in us this name Rock of Israel we need to remember the hole from which we came and the rock from which we were hewn and in this name Rock the Lord also shows his position his atmosphere the way of our thinking you see that he builds as the eagle builds its nest uh, upon this cliff upon this rock as a cliff uh, and he lives upon this cliff where he could see uh, from above he could see everything uh, in front of him Lord you are my rock rock of Israel and for this purpose just as we studied our lot in the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation we have the necessity to study the following series of questions what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, what purpose in the realization of our salvation <clears throat> is our inherited lot called to fulfill, consisting in the name of God, Rock of Israel, what price do we need to pay so we could provide God with the ability, the legitimate ability to be our Rock of Israel, and by what, re what results do we determine that God is truly our Rock of Israel as it relates to the realization of our calling. We need to keep in mind that if we decide to study our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, as something separate from the faith of our heart and separate and not the confession of our mouth, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction. Because God in all of his powerful and unchanging names is the lot of inheritance exclusively within the boundaries of our spirit, soul, and body. This is a revolutionary uh, truth to understand exactly what this is, that if we begin to study God's names 
independently of and not as within the boundaries of our spirit, soul, and body, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction because all of these names are for our heart and not just our heart, but the confessions of the faith of our heart, our heart and our mouth. Because for God to be able to save our spirit, soul, and body, He needs to make make them His inherited lot, our spirit, soul, and body. And when He makes our spirit, soul, and body His inherited lot, then can He utilize our spirit and soul and body, body uh, spirit, soul, and body to receive the revelation of God, the mind of Christ, so that we can renew our mind and to then by forming these in our mind to confess the word, use our body then to confess this truth, the Lord will not be able to save our spirit, soul, and body if they will not be His lot. How many saints today, and how many people even in churches uh, actually will say that the body is an important lot for God? And so, the people will open the Bible and they look at the word and they memorize places of scripture, they close it and they confess but nothing works and why? because it's not confession it is just uh, poetry and and poems on on a stage and these are poems that you just uh, say in front of the people or God to be able to place the word in the heart you need to stop, or you need to start uh, way earlier. <clears throat> you need to first find the virtuous wife, the church where God would want to teach you. And in that church, sh- you need to pray, God, show me the person who is anointed by God. And allow me to hear the truth, the teaching that this person will give that's yours. And when I have this virtuous wife, this Zion, and I have the person who represents your authority, who has the fear of God and the truth that he can pass on, then do I open my heart and you say wait what about the head no the head does not participate in this in this at this time it needs to be in my heart first and now I open my heart <clears throat> and so I find out I open up my heart and I realize I have a lot of dead works uh, religious things and by listening to this anointed of God, I began to clean out my heart from all, all of these carnal religious things that either other preachers have put there and other things in addition to that. And once the heart is clean, you begin to put the right things into your heart. And that's when you humble yourself and incline your ear so you, you with reverence and respect will receive the word. And when he sees what's in my heart, the word that I've received, it needs to now lay upon the table of showbreads. On Saturday, you put the breads upon the table of showbreads and you let it sit for seven days. And as we know, the, high, the priest would then eat the bread at the end of the week and then put fresh breads. Sometimes you want a response immediately, but sometimes the Lord does not give it immediately. And so, once it's in our heart, then it becomes part of our, it becomes accessible to our soul. And then, and so the Lord uses then our spirit, soul, and body so that he could save it. And a beautiful process that it goes through. And so let us look at the first question that our brother Akadi 
uh, had had brought forth and then also responded to what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot specifically within the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body. The name of God, Rock of Israel, the characteristics and categories. We looked at the uh, at two of the lots and we'll go on to the third today. First lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, within the heart of a student of Christ is identified by righteousness ruling in the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> righteousness ruling in the fear of the Lord, that means a person uh, collaborates with the name of God, Rock. God begins to hewn him from this uh, stone, allow, uh, giving him the form of the stone. The metaphor of the stone is righteousness that rules in the fear of the Lord. If our righteousness does not rule in the fear within the boundaries of the fear of the Lord, then we don't collaborate with the name of God, Rock of Israel. And we've heard that the boundaries of the fear of the Lord is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God. These are God's commandments, God's wisdom, and God's justice. And God's justice opens the door to the inheritance of Christ and in part uh, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ as well. Again, I, our righteousness that rules within the boundaries of the fear of the Lord. Second, the lot, the second lot in the virtue of the name of God, Rock of Israel, within the heart of a student of Christ, is identified by our great origin, <clears throat> which makes us a member of Zion, which is the perfection of beauty, power, and authority in which God is in which God is and in which God dwells. And so for Zion to be the perfection of beauty and it be the place where the Lord dwells, we see that Zion is in the ruins and there are two reasons why Zion is in the ruins because the Lord, until he restores Zion from the ruins, he can be in awe and call it the perfection of beauty, power, and authority. So, to be able to, for God to be able to say this, he needs to first make sure it is in ruin. He needed to first <clears throat> uh, break Job until he can uh, build him back up. And why did Zion end up in ruins? Why do we end up in ruins? Because God intends to destroy the stronghold of death in our bodies. And because within it, uh, the time we are, uh, there are sinners in in the present within the church, just as there are weeds amongst the the wheat, and so there, that's the other reason why Zion is in ruins. And God says, "I will restore her. I will comfort her." And so the main component that allows God to restore Zion the members of which we are is to hear the word coming from his messenger so we be obedient to it or our faith be obedient to God's faith. God will comfort us by the preached word. And so he was behind that work so that he can uh, restore these uh, the Zion because and the reason it's in ruins is because there's something in us he does not like and he needs to do it to be able to to rid us of these elements he does not like 
and he does all of this using the name of God, uh, Lord, you are my rock, rock of Israel, giving us the form and character of a rock of, of the of the rock or cliff in this case. <clears throat> and so let's go on to the third lot contained in the virtue of the name of God, rock of Israel. Within the heart of a student of Christ, it is the cleft of a rock in the hiding places of the mountainside. Songs of Solomon 2.14 My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. Show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Song, Songs of Solomon 2.14 The phrase, my dove is in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, are addressed to the beloved, our Lord Jesus, and the beloved as the most beautiful of women, who is his bride. There is a dialogue between the bride and the groom, the beloved one and the uh, Christ, the beloved and his beloved bride. <clears throat> he says, you are my dove. In the given allegory, the Lord, as the beloved, speaks to his beloved bride as the dove. He says that his beloved bride has the nature of the Holy Spirit. The bride of Christ, she has the nature of the Holy Spirit. He turns to her as a dove. <clears throat> and this includes, of course, both brothers and sisters and all, all, all nations, uh, generations, all peoples. Uh, this includes everyone. <clears throat> and so we will have then the quality of the Holy Spirit, and we will see what the nature of the Holy Spirit is later on. In ourselves, we will have the same nature. Let's first identify the place where this dove was. Identifying the place where the dove is located deserves special attention, since this place identifies our inherited lot concealed in the name of God, the Rock of Israel. The phrase, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely, confirms within the dove the unique nature of the Holy Spirit. However, so that in the given allegory we can better study our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we need to answer a few questions. <clears throat> and here's three questions that we will look at. She is in the cleft of the rock. And the beloved says, show me your face and let me hear your voice, because your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. <clears throat> and so three questions to understand the essence of the dove. What unique quality clothes the beloved bride into the virtue of a dove and makes her resemble the Holy Spirit? There are specific virtues that you can find in a dove, in a church. Second, what character does the place have where the beloved bride hides in the form of a dove? And so, even if we find a character of a dove in someone, they also need to be in a specific place. There's a specific place <coughs> where the dove hides, and third, 
What is notable about the voice of the beloved bride and the face of the beloved bride? As he says, let me hear you and let me see you. And so these three questions, let's look at the first question. What unique quality clothes the beloved bride into the virtue of a dove and makes her resemble the Holy Spirit? To understand the unique quality of the beloved bride in the form of a dove, we will need to remember the essence and role uh, of God the Holy Spirit <clears throat> in His mutual collaboration with God the Father and God the Son. Although God the Holy Spirit possesses the same might and the same crushing or destructive power that God the Father and God the Son have, between them there is absolute harmony, absolute dependence, and absolute love the unique quality belonging exclusively to, to God the Holy Spirit, unlike God the Father and God the Son, is that first he has absolute absence of the ability, <clears throat> he has an absolute absence of the ability to protect his own personal interests and an absolute absence of the ability to receive personal glory. The Holy Spirit does not have his own personal interests <clears throat> and does not have his own personal glory. He does not defend his own personal interests, only God's interests, and he does not receive personal glory, but passes on glory to the Father and Son. We can conclude that the beloved bride in the form of a dove is not able to defend her own personal interests and to protect her own interests. She fully relies upon the mercy of the beloved, and further, the beloved bride, in the form of the dove, is not able to receive and protect her own personal glory, but she is able to protect the glory of her beloved. Revelations 4, 9 through 11. Here, the dove is shown in the four living creatures and the 24 elders who were focused only upon God. In this allegory, we also see the bride of, of the Lamb, or the bride of Christ. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sit on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. Here we see the dove. They remove their crowns. And they fall before the throne. They worship him. They thank him. And they magnify him. And they do it so easily. Again, she does not have her own personal interests or her own personal glory. Considering this, the fellowship of God the Father and God the Son happened through God the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit, and also the fulfillment of the will of the Heavenly Father and God the Son belong exclusively to the role of God the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we can conclude that the certain fulfillment of the will of the Heavenly Father and God the Son belong exclusively to the role of the Beloved Bride, clothed into the power of the Holy Spirit or into the virtue of a dove. Pastor will be showing this parallel between the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does <clears throat> in the relationship. 
and when we see the quality of what he does, this is what this these belong also to the bride of the lamb, to the saints. The role of God, the Father, is that he responds and carries full responsibility for the thoughts abiding within his entrails. The role of God the Son is that he responds and carries full responsibility for foretelling the thoughts of the Heavenly Father in the Word. The role of God the Holy Spirit is to fulfill and bring about the thoughts of God the Father spoken by the words of God the Son. Considering the role of the Holy Spirit, we conclude that the role of the beloved bride, clothed into the power of the Holy Spirit, or into the virtue of a dove, is by the means of the confessions of the faith of the heart, she brings about the thoughts of God the Father, demonstrated in word of God the Son. How amazingly, Pastor shows it here, the essence of the dove. The role of the Holy Spirit the relationship they have, all this this entire relationship happens within us, between our spirit, soul, and body, and that we are that final result by which God will do something here on planet Earth without the Holy Spirit, and out of the Holy Spirit, God, God the Father and God the Son can't do anything. The Father has the thoughts, the Son speaks them, but the one who brings them about, makes them happen, is the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is the symbol of the dove. If you remember when Jesus was baptized by John, the dove was mentioned. And so we will do then, in this case, do the things that the Holy Spirit does. We make the thoughts of, of, of God a reality. We confess the faith of our heart and we confess the thoughts of God the Father and demonstrate them in the word of God the Son. And so when we confess the faith of our heart, this is us uh, demonstrating the character of the dove as the Holy Spirit is the final uh, final step, uh, step or, or within the process, uh, he makes it happen or fulfills the will of God. The, Holy, the bride also does this because nothing can happen on planet earth without man and so man has to put on the the holy spirit confessing the faith of god abiding in our heart makes our words in their significance equal in power to the words of god coming from the mouth of god in us we have the three and you ask how can the words my words your words be equal to in power as God's words. This is when we can show <clears throat> the atmosphere or character of the dove. And to show the character of the dove is not possible if we don't have God's thoughts and words in us to be a dove. You need to have the characteristics of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is that we have the mind of Christ. We receive the thoughts of our Heavenly Father, uh, listening to the person who is God's messenger, and we take these words and we keep these words in our mind, and then we meditate about these words. And so we meditate, and this is uh, the quality of the Heavenly Father, where he always ponders, he thinks about his uh, the thoughts that he has. Uh, and so we meditate about the thoughts of God. We penetrate them, we think about them. And then Son, the Holy Spirit, 
He will then uh, speak them, and the Holy Spirit makes them happen. We need to have all three, God the Father, Holy, uh, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, I will come in with such a person and dine with him. I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open this door, I, my, my Father and the Holy Spirit will come in, and we together will dine with him. And when this person begins to pray, this, the words that he will speak will be equal in power as God's words, because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have found their place in him. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was, out, was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, In the given version of the translation, the word God in Hebrew is stated in the form of a plural. This means that the creation of the heavens and earth included the participation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Practically, in the given place, we see a process, the sequence of the creation of heaven and earth. The phrase, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the uh, surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, means that in the beginning, God created the water, which was called to become the material for creating the heavens and the earth. Second Peter 3, 5. Long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. The uniqueness of the water from which God intended to create the heavens and the earth represents the informational program in the thoughts of God. The phrase, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, indicates the fact that God the Holy Spirit penetrated the informational program in the thoughts of God and hovered over the known by Him thoughts of God. He showed His trembling, thirst, and preparedness in His active waiting to immediately fulfill the will of God within the established by God time. We conclude that the beloved bride in the form of the dove clothed into the power of the Holy Spirit or into the virtue of a dove penetrated the informational program in the thoughts of God and hovered over the known by her thoughts of God showed in her active waiting her trembling, her thirst and her preparedness to immediately fulfill the will of God within the established by God time. And so the dove has the same again quality to hover over the thoughts of God. These thoughts need to find their place in our heart so that we can meditate about meditate about these thoughts and they first need to be placed into our heart because just as the heavens and the earth, they're made of water and by water, When the apostles preached, the scriptures say, they, they it says that they overwhelmingly gave the uh, preached the word, and it was full, uh, like a lot of information that they uh, people can meditate about. The apostles never uh, would uh, speak anecdotes or or just uh, empty things that they would tell the people. People they would speak the word of God. They would show examples. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 
in the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. You will hear sometimes in sermons, to us the Lord has revealed this and this and this. But when you say us, us needs to be the dove. God has revealed by His Spirit for what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. And so again, this is connecting the Urim and the Thummim, uh, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, who uh, spiritual with spiritual things is is something that all is present in the Dove. And the and finally, the phrase, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, speaks of as soon as God the Father reveals the time to fulfill his informational program by God the Son, God the Holy Spirit immediately fulfills the word coming from the mouth of God. We can conclude that as soon as the beloved bride, the the, the dove in this case, the beloved bride is who is clothed into the power of the Holy Spirit or into the virtue of a dove, she receives a revelation about the time of fulfillment of the promise she's been waiting for. She immediately brings about or fulfills this promise by the means of confessing the faith of God abiding in her heart. This is what Mary did. She immediately, she collaborated her faith with God's faith. She said, may it be according to your word. And you say, what a short prayer that was. How simply uh, that happened. It wasn't simple. She, from a very young age, meditated, meditated about God. She stood before God. She prayed before God. She meditated, meditated about God. She, and they show her, and they show here uh, to us, her, the results of these things. As you remember, the archangel Gabriel comes to Prophet Daniel. He said, "As soon as the word came out of your mouth." I came, I was sent immediately, but I was withheld 21 days. You know, with, with Mary, uh, God also wasn't hasty. He wasn't hasty with her. It was also Gabriel. That means. And so someone was resisting and someone because they knew that from her the Messiah would be born and if the against prophet Daniel uh, hell was uh, rose up when the angel was sent to speak to Mary can you imagine the warrior in prayer that she needed to be this young woman Gabriel will not be able to break through to her if a person will not pray just as Daniel prayed and he fasted and when prophet Di- Daniel did this Gabriel was able to break through through to him imagine the status that Mary had that she was able to with her prayer break through those uh, barriers and allow Gabriel to come to her and give to her 
the great re greatest revelations. And when Gabriel comes, all hell, all of the demons that exist, all that, all of them resisted. And Mary was able to uh, allow this um, meeting with with Gabriel. And when she heard the word, she immediately said, "May it be according to your word." To confirm the given concept of the first three verses of the first chapter of the book of Genesis, we will look at John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. We're talking about the Word of God that abides in us in the form of thought and how they can become the Word and the Word that we then fulfill in our life, do in our life as the Holy Spirit uh, brought, brought the Word of God about. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. In the begin, in the Word... The Word was in the beginning with God. Though in Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 1 through 5. The place of Scripture contains a deep meaning, providing a fundamental understanding of the essence of God. There are two forms of translation from the original Greek language. And so there... Uh, two versions, elaborated versions. Um, uh, that are given to better understand that the consistency of this place of scripture, it is clear. Uh, and the first and the second will be even more elaborated, more clear as to what the meaning of everything that is written here is. First version is in the beginning was the word which is logos and thought. And the word logos thought was in the entrails of God. And the word logos as a thought identified the essence of God. Rhema, the word, was with God the Son in the beginning. Through Rhema, the word, all things were made. Without Rhema, the word, nothing was made that had been made. In Rhema, the word, the spoken word, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so, Pastor, he helped us understand in this version the Word of God and where it is in the form of Logos as a thought, and where it was, where it begins in the form of the Word, Rhema, which then allows the Holy Spirit to do something. The Holy Spirit needs Logos and then needs also Rhema to be able to act. He needs the Word to be in our heart and He needs this Word to also become Rhema, the sounded Word. And then He can begin doing something. And Pastor really beautifully shows here how the Word Logos in the form of a thought that's in the heart of the Father, step by step, was then spoken by the Son already in the form of Rhema. And the second version, it's not really a second version, it's just even more elaborated. In this case, it sounds like this. In the beginning, the informational program in the form of the thought of God abided in the entrails of God the Father and identified the essence of God the Father. All things were made by the informational program contained in the thoughts of God the Father, converted into the Word of God the Son. And without the informational program contained in the thoughts of God, the Father, converted then into the Word of God the Son, nothing was made that has been made. 
and the informational program contained in the thoughts of God the Father converted into the Word of God the Son was eternal life. And eternal life containing the informational program of God was the light of all mankind. And the light of eternal life contained in the informational program of God shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And of course we see here the work of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And now let's look at this in the form of the dove. The beloved clothed into the power of the Holy Spirit or into the virtue of a dove is for man the light of eternal life. And this light shines in darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. Further, we need to note the quality of God, the Holy Spirit, and her ability to not be able to defend herself before man. Genesis 6, 1 through 3. We continue to open up the Holy Spirit because the dove, she has the qualities of the Holy Spirit. And to have the quality of the Holy Spirit is to have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in yourself. Just the Holy Spirit is the concluding uh, step, as it were, to be able to do anything on planet Earth. God does everything through her, his uh, dove. On planet Earth, God does his work uh, using his dove, just like Mary, the young girl Mary. And so he doesn't need uh, uh, he doesn't need anything specific, very loud voices or deep voices or or any other kind of thing. He needs his his dove. The Lord has his power if he needed it. And he will be able to activate it if he needs to. Again, he does everything by his dove. And so let us look at how the Holy Spirit We're going to look at here uh, how uh, there are people who, or there's a way in which the Holy Spirit is uh, forsaken, or in other words, uh, insulted, and the bride of the dove also will in certain cases be forsaken or insulted in certain cases. Um, And this is just something that is experienced. This is a similar situation with both the Holy Spirit and the dove. And so let us look again at at the people also who 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 do this. Let's look at the Holy Spirit first. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, "My spirit shall not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal, their days will be 120 years." God the Father said through the Son, My spirit will not contend with humans forever. The Holy Spirit said nothing. He continued to serve. But he had to contend with humans. 
Genesis 6, 1 through 3. The daughters of men are the, de- are the descendants of Cain, who, when serving God, tried with their own personal works, which they perceived as good, to draw God's favor upon themselves. Genesis 4, 16, 17. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. Sons of God are the descendants of Seth, who came from his son Enosh, who began to call upon God. Genesis 4, 25-26. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to his son, and named him Seth saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel. Since Cain killed him, Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Cain had Enoch, and this means dedication, and Seth began to proclaim the word of God. And the other did not confess. He began to dedicate himself and to send himself uh, to, to to places for, to evangelize and to help people doing good works. Seth didn't do any of this. He bore Enosh and said, we need to call on the name of the Lord. And how do you call upon the name of the Lord? It says, Abraham called upon the Lord and he stood silent until the Lord spoke. And so you create the altar, uh, you you bring the offering. In Cain's case, he and his son, Enoch, uh, just did whatever he thought was would be best and that it was the right thing to do. And so let us look at uh, first here that the union of the sons of God with the daughters of of Cain, this is resistance of the Holy Spirit and the sons of Seth who abandoned or forsook the Holy Spirit by getting together with the daughters of men. Uh, the beloved one who is clothed into the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit as the dove, she is today in the likeness of the dove and how she is she experiences this resistance the bride the dove she experiences the whole this resistance the holy spirit experienced it and the bride the church also will resist uh, will experience this and this is a sign that she is a dove she is a chosen by god remnant the daughters of men are uh human services and the good work that they do, but it's inspired by the flesh. This is the same kind of thing that Cain did. And so this is, unfortunately, you forsaking the Holy Spirit when you do this kind of thing, and God will separate this wicked people uh, from the true worshipers of God in the form of Noah and his family, who represented the chosen by God remnant. 
Matthew 12:30 through 32. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. And so someone may say, what, what's the difference, uh, slander against the Holy Spirit or slander against other men? To spe- sland- speak slander against the Holy Spirit is something that can happen uh, only if a person has become wicked, a person who does not have the fear of the Lord. This is a person who has the f- demonic fear. Demonic fear inspires people demonic fear this is a person who had the time to leave his carnal state uh, and he transformed himself into this religious demon having the look of godliness denying its power they have this uh, great demonic fear and what do they do they know that the truth is before them they know that the power of the Holy Spirit is before them it's the wisdom of God they know that but they say this is foolishness Non-Christians don't say this. When they see anointing, they are, as a magnet, are drawn to it. And so they, they as a butterfly, they come to the light. The religious, in this case, this kind of uh, wicked, they don't run to the light. They have a demonic fear and they say that this cannot be the Lord. They know it is the Lord, but they say, and this is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, but they say that, and so th- this is the kind of person who s- speaks slander against the Holy Spirit and speak and blasphemes the Holy Spirit. And so to be with Christ, to follow Christ and gather with Christ is to, is to be with those who follow the word of the messengers of God. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. John 20, 21 through 23. And so, and so to be the lot, uh, or to have this lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we need to obey the preached word, as we know, and be clothed into the power of uh, of the Holy Spirit and to obey the person who's clothed into the power of a father of God. Second question, what character does the place have where the beloved bride hides in the form of a dove? Songs of Solomon 2.14, my dove in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places on the morn- mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. In the given allegory, to better understand our lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we need to pay attention to the etymology of the word cleft, rock, hiding place, mountainside. Because they are really uh, saturated one and the other. They they uh, confirm one the other. They, are, they identify each other. Um, this is the character of the place where the dove lives. 
cleft as refuge covering crevice in the rock. She is in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Crevice in the rock. And this is the teaching of the blessing and cursing. This is the covenant of God that is in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the Lord sees this crevice, this cleft in the rock as a crevice, then he sees the judgments of God. He, this is where the dove hides. And so, uh, uh, people suffer, and sometimes they try to compare themselves uh, as uh, they see the righteous, and they say, well, I suffer as this righteous, our pastor, for example, and they think that they suffer for righteous things, but maybe it is that they spoke evil against their brother and are are now suffering for these perp- uh, because of the sins that they commit. And so when we're talking about a cleft or a crevice in a rock, this is being in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, being in the covenant. Rock is a cliff face, mountain, stone, stronghold, gold, and intercessor. And so this is the name we're studying. Hiding places. This is a covering, canopy, protection, veil, cloak, secret, and an unapproachable place. And so the, my dove, she is in the hiding places. She has a covering. She acknowledges God's authority in the church and by which you can determine then that she has the quality of a dove. And so if you don't have a pastor, but you have rather just a person of hire, uh, because what happens when the wolves come, a man of hire will run away. He will not defend his flocks. He will not defend his sheep. A man of hire will run away and not defend his sheep against the wolves. And a man of God will never place a wolf on the stage to be able to give his testimony. And so where there's a hiding place, there's a pastor. If it's not a hiding place, these are people that are either elected by the form of a vote or a place themselves. Uh, the service itself is not a hiding place. And uh, also mountainside. Mountainside is a steep curve, curvature, able to soak up water. An interesting other definition. And so this curvature allows us to renew our strength as a an eagle uh, renew, can renew its strength. She, uh, the eagle has, has that ability to uh, not knock off of its nose. Uh, there's a specific on-growing that grows upon the top of its beak. And And so the, he then will knock this uh, piece off of his nose, and he, this renews his 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 strength, and he is able to see. Um, 
And so this eagle, again, because it starts getting weaker, its wings are getting uh, tired, its nails are getting uh, are getting old, and so as soon as he knocks off this on growing on that's on top of his beak, he uh, knocks it off, he renews in strength, he begins to, uh, he goes, this all happens from the top of the cliff where he had made his nest. And so eagles, they will then pull out a, a lot of their feathers and then go and dip himself in cold water to destroy any kind of parasites that may be on his body. He then grows new feathers. And he gets he has good vision again. He has strong nails. He, he grows new feathers as he plucked out the old. Uh, and uh, he, he, this way, renews himself. These four words... Uh, as we can see here, this is the place where the where the dove rests, and so this is abiding in Christ, and Christ abiding in you. And so again, Christ in you, you in Christ, you are in this cleft of the rock. You are a rock. You are hiding place in a mountainside. Third question: What is notable about the voice of the beloved bride and the face of the beloved bride? Or what criteria identifies sweetness of her voice and what criteria identifies the loveliness of her face in the eyes of her beloved? Songs of Solomon 2.14 My dove in the clefts of the rock in the hiding places on the mountainside show me your face, let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. The symbol of the dove that abides in the cleft of the rock in the hiding places is a person from every nation who, who fears God and behaves according to God's righteousness. Acts 10, 34 through 36. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does, not, and does what is right. You know the messenger, message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. As he says, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. The dove, she is present in every nation. Every nation. If in the nation there's a person who fears God and behaves according to God's righteousness. If a person fears God and behaves according to God's righteousness means that he is in the righteousness of God and he abides in the righteousness of God and the righteousness of God abides in him. The voice of such the the face of such a person will always uh, attract God and will always be pleasant uh, to God. The sweetness of the voice of the beloved uh, bride, in the form of the dove, is the confessions of the grace of God, which has which rules or reigns within the heart. And this is because of the fruit of righteousness. Romans 5.21 So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Proverbs 16.21.24 The wise in heart are called discerning. 
and gracious words promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And so summing up the given component, the, the dove that abides in the cleft of the rock means that she herself is an important part of the lot of the rock, of the name of God, Rock of Israel. She herself, a dove, she is an important component of the lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, and only finding her by searching for her, our heart then becomes the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. He who, he who finds a wife finds what is good. He who finds this dove finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.23. And that, this means that he himself has become this dove, a very interesting component that has been given to us. We will thank God that, for the word that we have had the opportunity to hear today and we will thank him for the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. <clears throat> May you be blessed in your in your prayers. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to be upon this place where your fear is, the place where you teach us, the place where you give us your wisdom, the place where you lift us up to heights that are not reachable for us. We thank you Lord, for this great mercy to be before your holy face. We thank you that you allow us to find this virtuous <clears throat> wife, our, our church. We thank you, Lord, that upon this place is your order, that this place is that covering where we can hide and receive favor and obtain mercy and we have acknowledged your great order we want to collaborate with your name rock of Israel and for this we acknowledge you in the form of the people that you've sent into our life we thank you Lord for our pastor Arkady we thank you Lord that this holy man is an apostle and a pastor to us. You have delivered us from those services, churches that today are the daughters of Cain. You have made us free of those that are just men for hire, that during any type of danger just run away. But you, Lord, have given us your saints who are not afraid of the face of wolves and bears and lions and who defend and protect your inheritance because upon this place is your fear and we have received this fear of the Lord into our life. We thank you Lord that we today have the ability to 
magnify your, you in your word. You have allowed us today to take your commandments, your statutes, your instructions, so that with your word, we can cleanse ourselves from all filth, so that we can become the good soil, ready to receive your good seed. And we thank you, Lord, that today we run to you, we approach you so that we can hear your words and receive the seed of life. So that we can, you can deliver us by the fruit that you will grow in us in the form of Methuselah who drives away death. You will not be able to do this without us. And to do something together with us, you want to make us today in the likeness of your dove. And we thank you, Lord, for the revelation, the word of God that you've placed into the heart of our pastor, Arkadi, who has passed it on to us, who has made it accessible to us. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us and that the Holy Spirit will not be able to do His work until the power of the Father and Son are in us as well. Thank you for the word, the preached word, before which we worship and incline our, our heart. Your godly thoughts and the teaching that you've passed on to us and that we've received into our heart and your great thoughts that are today laying upon the table of showbreads by, by whom you've also placed them which is your planter allow us today Lord to make them accessible to our soul and understanding of our mind and this is when the word that's already in our heart when it's already been laying there for some time because the first that eats of it from our table of showbreads is you and when you will be satisfied with the word that was received into our heart only then will you allow it to make it accessible to our soul because you are God and we do everything for you and we do everything by you and for your for you as our purpose and so the word we've received into our heart it will be in our heart as long as you desire for it to be there and lay there and we want to collaborate with your time and we worship before you we pray about the word that we have received allow it to become the possession of our our soul also and our, also our lips because you do everything through the person who is in your likeness the person that you hewn from your stone from your rock and so by your dove do you do anything on planet earth and we want today our words to be equal in power as yours and for this we receive your logos into our heart 
and we pray that it become rhema, we confess the faith of our heart, that we can call upon you, not just dedicate ourselves as the descendants of Cain, but being as a descendant of Seth, we thank you for the great privilege to call upon your holy name, and we're ready to listen to you and do what you tell us. Thank you, Lord, for this great privilege to come upon this place so we can call upon you to be ready to listen <clears throat> and hear what you will say and obey the word that we have heard. We worship before your word. We tremble before your word. We meditate about your word just as the Holy Spirit has done and does today with us. Thank you that you've come into our heart and you today dine with us, the Father, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. Only according to your word can the command, can the eagle soar and build its nest. You have allowed us to build this nest upon this great mountain, upon this great rock, so that from there the eagle can see its, find its food and our eyes can see far although we are very close to fulfilling your promise but this promise that is so close can only be seen from your rock from your cliff from your height and you have allowed us Lord by your word to be in the likeness of your dove so that we can dwell upon the high places so that we can live in the cleft of the rock. Thank you, Lord, for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, for your covenant. You let, Lord, said, and you will fulfill. And we are today under your godly covering, and we wait when your word will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled when we will be under this covering, when we will confess the faith of our heart. Thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be upon your heights. You said that the bread will be given to us and water will be plentiful in us. Thank you for the word of God and the Holy Spirit who is plentiful upon this place. This means you have allowed us to be and live upon your heights. Because only those who live upon heights, to them you've said that bread will be given to them and their water will be plentiful. We thank you, Lord, for this great destiny that you have revealed to us and that we agree with and that we've received into our heart so that we not represent our own personal interests and pursue our own personal glory, but to pursue your interests and your will and pursue your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the person, the one that teaches us, the person that has passed on your fear to us because of your preached word 
and we have received this fear of the Lord, and you teach us this fear of the Lord. We pray, Lord, that today we be within the boundary of your fear, within the boundary of your commandments and your statutes, your word, that will be able to activate God's justice against all of our enemies that rise against our soul only when we will abide in our lot within the boundaries of the fear of the Lord will you be able to activate your justice and all of your names thank you Lord for this great calling to be within the boundaries of your fear we thank you Father for the word that has been placed into our heart We pray, Lord, for your mercy, your great mercy, that it be come speedily to our pastor Arkady, because only by the planted word can it be put into our heart. Only by the one who plants the word can it be accessible to our heart. And we pray also for the waters by whom you take the word that was in our heart and make it accessible to our mind, to our soul, so that we can then confess the word that we have received. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your order. Thank you for this covering under which we are. Thank you that you are our fortress and that we have our great treasure in the fear of the Lord. And for us, it is already times of safety when the world is submerged in all kinds of fear, depression, wars. We are submerged into the fear of the Lord, and it has become our treasure. And for us, they are coming and have already come, these times of safety. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful covering that we are under. We thank you for your your fatherly care you've shown that you walk amongst your seven lampstands and that you hold the seven stars in your hand and no one will take them from your hand. We thank you and we glorify you for your care, for your body, for your church. And we today, Lord, are in the likeness of of this rock, you, and that from the heights of this rock can we see the inheritance we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation of our spirit, the salvation of our carnal, of our carnal soul and our mortal body. You have revealed to us your name, Rock of Israel. And we thank you, Lord, for these great heights, for these great promises that you have prepared for your church. We thank you and we glorify you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>